Well, it's the end of the year. It's Christmas time, and um, we hope throughout all of this year you've um, we've managed to keep you entertained as you listen to Auto Catch Up. And um, but this episode is going to be slightly different. This is going to be our episode where we reflect on the year and also have a glance into the the, the top end of next year as well and to see what's to come. Um, we've got Joel Strickland here at Joel Strick Photo joining us to talk through all of those things. I'm your host, Ash. And um, man, we've, we've had some big stories. We've had, you know, obviously COVID-19 is the, the headlining one, um, but we also had Holden um, announcing, you know, the end of, um, end of that brand, or at least as General Motors says, into hibernation, um, as well as a few things of, you know, what was old is new again. Um, but but Joe, what has been some of the what's been one of the big um, big stories out of you for for this year? I don't know. It's been. I think I th- I think really for I think more more than anything else. I think it's mainly the motorsport. The yeah. fact that we managed to get a completion of an F one season and a supercar season, um, and you know they managed to still run the Indy five hundred. You know I think motorsport. You know it was a, it was a it was a tough time after the Grand Prix was cancelled in Melbourne at the start of the year for them to be able to see out a season, uh, even if it was in a, in a very much an altered format and we, we missed yeah. out on a lot of good tracks and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I still think it was impressive to, to, to not only for it to be able to run through Europe um, where, you know, it has been the, the um, virus has been quite, quite aggressive um, and the fact that they could go into that bubble set up and, and be able to still even though we did have some you know some of the drivers actually did test positive um, which was you know not the easiest thing for them to deal with but then also in Australia where you know we were a little bit more lucky uh, here in Victoria obviously we had our lockdowns and so we missed out on a couple of rounds here but the fact that we still got a got a season, I think that was pretty mm. remarkable. Mm. But I mean, really, you know, the the demise of Holden, um, I think, was probably the biggest sort of car orientated news story for the year. It was yeah. uh, very very sad for the Holden fans, and you know, it, it's still even today. I just happened to see a um, uh, one of the local Holden dealers that I know that posted just tonight that uh, they've just sold their last Holden new car. It's just gone out the door. Mm. So, you know, it's a sad, sad sign for, for a lot of those guys that spent so much time working with that brand and, and for it to for it to f- officially sort of finish and losing um, losing the brand. Yeah, it's, it, I think that's probably the, the, the well, highlight slash low light for the year. Yeah. It's 2020 has been one of those ones where when we look at the news that we've had and as in the big news stories, not a lot of them are very positive. Um, but I think we've had some pretty good things come out of those news stories. So COVID-19 saw obviously a lot of factories shutting down around the world, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, you know, as countries went into lockdown and went to, to manage, you know, their, their response to that. But it also then saw as the opportunity arose to change what they were producing in those factories and to produce things such as metal equipment. Um, and that... I think really highlighted the capability and the and the ability of the car makers to adapt and respond to to the crisis like this. And I think it was one of the the many positive things. And we saw that with F one teams as well. You know, they were able to shift their manufacturing capacity into building this essential equipment. And um, you know, so I think even though 
we did see quite a weird time. Like we we spoke we spoke about it through our episodes as well, where some car makers were were shutting down the factory. Rolls Royce shut down their factory even for for a number of weeks, um, and it kind of it kind of came as a blessing and a curse as well for vehicle sales probably around the world, um, but particularly here in Australia where we did have towards the start of the year, um, if you go to to an, any number of brands around um, dealers around, you know, around where you were, you would find, you know, a steady pile of stock building because we did have continuous months of um, stock rolling in, but vehicle sales not necessarily matching what those expectations were. And so, we we kind of saw a, a, a mad rush for people to purchase vehicles as well as when we had to start when we started to have some government incentive as well as some government support to to cover incomes um, to a certain degree, and all of a sudden we found that a lot of car dealerships didn't have much stock at all, and then that created us a further snowball effect on the used car market, which um, you probably experienced a bit, Joel, with the selling of your car when you when you switched over into a to a new V Dub. Um, was that what potentially could have taken a number of weeks and facing a number of, you know, a huge number of lowball offers and, you know, a lot of time wasters, you ended up selling your car pretty quickly. Yeah, so it's one of those things, the used car market has apparently massively taken off and, and speaking to a variety of people across the board, I mean, I haven't sold mine yet. It will be going on the market early next year. Uh, yeah. I, I had an unfortunate incident where it was damaged by a third party just before it was due to go to the market. So um, it's currently booked into going to the body shop um, early in the new year. But we sold a family car during that period and it sold within like nine days. Um, another friend has recently sold their car. It was sold within this year, within a week. Um, car sales themselves had been promoting that car sales had been for a few months leading up to, to, to this time of year that the turnaround or the cars were selling, you know, 60% quicker than what they would be not normally. And, and speaking to a couple of dealerships there um, and seeing the talk in the news is that a lot of dealerships are crying out for good stock at the moment. So. Yeah. They're they're desperate for to fill their yards because, uh, like with like you said, some brands had good stock, but a lot of brands there's still no stock until the next year because yeah. they had you know when with the factory shutting down, their production had stopped. So people that were then turning around, you know, taking up on some of these incentives to buy stuff, um, were buying cars, and there wasn't enough stock to go around because the the factories have been shut for so long. So yeah, yeah the, it'll be very interesting just to see what happens moving into next year. I think they reckon that the used car market will probably stay strong for at least a few more months, um, depending on what it is. Also yeah. the fact that a lot of people still don't want to travel on public transport, so they're happy to drive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in Victoria at the moment over summer, it's actually free to park in Melbourne's council area um, to try and entice people to go to drive back into the city. So they're offering free street parking for, you know, until early over the Christmas period, mm. um, right up until the 3rd of Jan. So, um, you know, with the sales and everything starting sort of the end of this week, you know, they're, they're enticing people that you can drive in, you can get a permit from the, from the city of Melbourne and, and park your car in a street park um, and, and get free parking. So yeah, that flow and effect of people not wanting to, to be involved with public transport, buying more cars, the used car market has taken off. Um, 
you know, people have talked about it being called a, a COVID tax um, and that people are getting stronger money for cars. And I've seen it from quite a few people talking to that the used car market, the the values of used car vehicles has actually risen in certain certain, certain markets. Um, so it's quite interesting to see that and, yeah, what and what it'll do and how long it'll stay for. So, mm. um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch over the over the coming months. It's certainly something to, to keep an eye on when, um, when it comes to your car insurance renewal is is jump online and see what people are asking and see what they're they're changing hands for because um, typically the algorithm for car insurance will drive the older your car gets the lower the value it is but um, it might be worthwhile just checking and asking the question um, is you know is that value of your car should it be different should it actually be higher than what they're they're suggesting and it's not a bad exercise to go through anyway um, when it comes to re renewing your insurance but also have a look at how many k's you are traveling maybe um if if you are price sensitive you do have a look at some of the different options there are some uh, insurance companies do offer lower rates if you're driving less there are different caveats to to consider um, if you do go down that route, but um, certainly if you are traveling a lot less, it, it could be advantageous to to explore that. And um, but yeah, but keep an eye on those those values which they suggest that the agreed values and um, the value brackets they they give, um, because very well um, you might just be uh, having a vehicle that is currently appreciating in value because there's just that demand there. So certainly. Um, it's it's not a guaranteed thing, is it, Joel? But it's certainly yeah, it's a, it's kind of a funny thing to see that yeah, used cars in general are seeing that demand and and pushing those prices up a little bit bit higher. Yeah, it's commissioned to see how long, like I said, how long it lasts for. Yeah. Um, yeah. and whether it continues into the new year and you know up until sort of school and people start returning to work, you know, so the schools down here go back towards the end of January. Mm -hmm. So, you know, will will it continue? Will people take holidays um, longer? It, it, yeah, it's one of these lots of different things, but I'll be intrigued uh, once mine sort of goes onto the market early in Jan. Yeah. Uh, I'll be very interested to see how long it takes to, to sell and, and you know, what it ends up selling for. Mm. Yeah, so... In terms of Holden, though, it was kind of a, a un, un, I would almost think, unfortunate timing because they announced that they were exiting the market, as I think they put it, um, in February. And COVID didn't really hit us hard until till March. That's uh, when we had the, the Grand Prix cancel and um, we really started to, to close up our borders really hard. And um, so it wasn't necessarily a victim of COVID. It had been in decline for quite a significant amount of time. It was a mixture of, I, I think, a number of different factors. Um, I, I think uh, there's there's a few key things, maybe confusion around the, the Holden brand itself, whether when local manufacturing ended, was the brand going away? Many people that I know and spoke to about Holden at that time when the you know when they were stopping the local production of the VF Commodore was that a lot of people were expecting well that's the end of the Holden brand yet obviously that wasn't the case a lot of the product was imported anyway um, but the general public perception was is that that signified the end of the brand um, and then there was probably I would say from from a media point of view that there was confusion around what products they had. They did they did give it a good crack. They did try a number of different products. We had um, you know, we 
the product lineup for Holden mirrored the Buick lineup in 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 the states, quite similar in in a similar way. But I think the way that they communicated what their product lineup was and wasn't they didn't go the same approach, and I think it ultimately harmed them. Um, I, I really loved. Um, I'll, I'll I'll include a link in the in the show notes for you to check out. Um, but there's some great Buick ads, and they showcased in a, in a 30 second ad they showcased the entire lineup and it was all about breaking that perception of oh i'm i'm driving buick oh not this one um this one the new one oh doesn't this look great blah 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 and it just was really clever in showing this is the entire lineup this is the demographics of who each one is for and um by the end of it you knew exactly what they were all about holden didn't really quite strike that chord and i think that probably um aided the 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 you know the end result of Holden going away in, in in how you know that relationship ended and then obviously then it carried on in its own um, when it, General Motors and the dealer network couldn't come to an agreement of how to sever that relationship either and that carried on for quite a long time um, until it sort of seemed to have resolved itself we never really got any follow up from either party there was a lot of public um, uh, I think. Uh, kind of kind of say public name calling and, and calling out of particular um, deals and the point of the negotiation, which isn't very normal at all when it comes to these sorts of things. But both the dealer network and um, General Motors were were airing the dirty laundry. And um, yeah, I'd love to, to see a resolution, see what that ended up being. But yeah, it wasn't really a clear cut demise, but um, you know, especially with how they handled the end of that relationship. Uh, a few other companies offered to buy the Holden name, um, but GM didn't want to let that go. They they wanted to essentially put that into hibernation for potentially a future um, usage. But they did come back then about halfway through this year and saying that there will be some sort of General Motors presence in GMSV, General Motors Specialty Vehicles, and um, that was basically going to fill the gap of that, you know, that that smaller desire and demand from the market for General Motor product coming out of the US. So that's where we'll see the um, the Corvette, the the Silverado, and a few other brand, uh, a few other models coming out through with a with a partnership with Walkinshaw. So it's a um, bit of a messy breakup. Not a very, you know, it, it was a long time coming, but still, you know, sad nonetheless. For, for a lot of people and a lot of motorsport fans as well. Yeah, it'll be very much missed within Supercars um, Championship. Um, it is exciting, on the other hand, that there is talk that the Camaro is coming and that will be yeah. the new Gen 3. Um, but the problem is, is the Camaro is not being sold here currently in Australia. So yeah. um, hopefully that might change and they might end up bringing it. But the, the future of the Camaro itself as a road car is in doubt in the US and it, there's talk that it may not continue. But, yeah, it was a messy breakup, um, you know, the whole Corvette uh, pre-order thing, you know, as well, got messy with dealers um, taking deposits and then told to refund them because it's then going to be all run through GMSV. Um, so, you know, the, there's a lot of people I know that turn around and sort of inst- once the Holden thing have instantly cancelled their their orders of, of Corvettes. Um, but there's still a lot that are excited and, and, and looking forward to that. And it is good that we do have confirmation that that, that is continuing. But you know, with this relationship that GMSV and, and GM and 
more control have that there is potential and we keep hearing different stories and we don't know you know till we actually have an official statement it's it's never 100 percent, but there is talk that they're going to bring more of the model range out so we could see more of the maybe suvs some of the other trucks um other vehicles may end up finding their way down under um and there's you know there's a potential for that market to grow if the pricing's right i think so we kind of just have to sort of wait and see but yeah the 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 whole demise and and the way that it happened and um you know it was quite sad and and the fact that who knows if they had stuck it out for the rest of the year where it would be and and whether they would you know been able to sell more with the change in the the sales market and stuff like that but look it's a sad side at the moment driving past the holden office in port melbourne you know the 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 building is effectively sort of changed hands and there's new sort of tenants moving in but yeah it's sad to see that um you know that that brand is 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 no longer going to be here and and that yeah it will be a, a fond memory for for many but yeah what it becomes with gmsv and what they do i think will be very interesting to follow and and mm. to see their to see their product mix and then obviously as i said hopefully the camaro for um uh, for the racetrack yeah well <laughs> I don't know. It's it it just it was just a messy breakup. Unfortunately, we knew that it was in shambles, but yeah, I think um, who knows? We we don't know what the future is. We don't know if uh, GM can can bring the Holden brand back in uh, in the future. It certainly has with um, you know, and this is where our old is new again um, point of view, which and probably in an un- unexpected way. Um, where we did see the revival of a couple of um, key namesakes, and and it continues on sort of this almost like a a retro pursuit of um, commercialization and consumerism, in a way where um, so General Motors Hummer yeah, Hummer does not have um, the reputation for being fuel efficient, eco friendly, or anything like that. Um, but General Motors, in a completely unexpected manner, came out this year and announced that they were building the Hummer EV. Um, it was just one of those left field um, announcements, and all of a sudden it made an extreme amount of sense. What what a better way than having this huge, huge SUV with great four-wheel drive capability be the vehicle that really showcases General Motors and their electric you know their, their technology capability in building you know an electric vehicle like this um that you know so that was um you know one hell of a way to to reannounce and reinvigorate a brand particularly you know for for what was completely known for being totally the opposite of that um but it wasn't the first run bringing you know something old back again ford also came back and um brought brought the bronco into the 21st century and um also not not in an electric or a hybrid form but brought back one hell of a a model which ended up selling hundreds of thousands of pre-orders before the vehicle was even you know seen on seen on roads and um you know it was just one of those weird things of all the stuff to come out of 2020 they were and we won't see them here down under from an official point of view but Gee, it was one one hell of a way to sort of, you know, get people excited about about these types of vehicles. 
Yeah, it was. And we, we kind of knew both of them had been teased for a while that they were coming and, and we knew we didn't really know what sort of form they would take. But the fact that, you know, that we knew that they were coming was exciting and, you know, the Bronco release was pushed back and so was the the Hummer. But when they finally hit, wow, um, you know, the lineup of the Bronco two-door or four-door and then also the Ford Bronco Sport, um, which, you know, is the first one to hit the market in the US and is now selling um, quite well, apparently. Um, and then the Hummer EV, but not just one model. The EV has a massive life cycle over the next sort of four years with yeah. different models being released and, and the plan for it. Um, yeah, again, a really huge, massive range, really impressive specs um, and very, very capable and same as what the, the Bronco is as well. But, um, yeah, they were probably, you know, two of the really launch big relaunches of the brand uh, this year um, for for those two, uh, and particularly in the US. And as we said, we probably won't see them here in Australia in an official capacity. People may turn around and import them and bring them in. But, um, yeah, the fact that, um, you know, that they're coming is, is pretty exciting. Yeah. And, and it just continues on like what we spoke about in previous episodes where, you know, uh, particularly in these 4x4s and, and couldn't have had better timing, uh, particularly here in Oz, but we, we're seeing the return of, um, you know, an extremely popular Suzuki Jimny, um, which is a true 4x4. We've got the Lander of Defender. We've got, um, you know, these the hugely refreshed Jeep Wrangler and Jeep Gladiator. Um, throw in the Hummer EV, throw in the Ford Bronco, and it's kind of like the, this enthusiast 4x4 uh, market has just completely hit the reset button and exploded onto the market all over again. And people are eating it up. Um, it took seven or under 10 minutes for the Hummer EV pre-sales to sell to sell out. Um, Jimny here in Queensland still has a 12-month waiting. Um, yeah, like Defender selling well from what I understand, um, particularly, you know, once you're balancing in factory constraints from, from 2020. But, yeah, it's just like, you know, we're seeing this explosion and then, you know, throw in some other um, exciting announcements that came out this year, like the MG, um, their electric SUV, you know, for f just over $40,000 drive away. Um, you know, we're seeing a pretty exciting little bit of the market um, happening. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is that we have had those sort of new models and, and some exciting changes and, you know, it is. It has been an interesting year. I mean, so many of the brands had to move their launches online, or having to change the way they did their launches. Um, you know, having to to deal with numbers, spreading people out. Um, you know, being able to socially distance and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been a pretty pretty big challenge for them. But the fact that they've still been able to do it um, has been has been really good. But yeah, I think it's. Um, it's been an interesting mixed year of different kind of lineups, but across the board from everything from, you know, your petrol to diesel to, to EVs and to, to hybrids. Mm. Yeah. So let's jump into motorsport. Um, we mentioned Formula One. So Formula One had uh, probably the most complicated, yet probably one of the best responses out of any sport in the world um, to to keep happening and but also still find a way to be able to travel all over the world as well um and so but 
but in addition to that, we also did see during the main bulk of the bulk of the lockdown, we did see esports and um, online racing series really take off. So we had um, just well, if you're listening to our podcast, you would have heard all of the different series that we're talking about. We had everything from amateur to to professional to the supercars running a, a an e series where not only did they have the formula, oh, sorry, the the supercars drivers participating, but they also had guests. So we had people like Max Verstappen joining in. Um, you know, it it really. Um, it really just took off and, and was a great way to fill in the time. And we got a lot of exciting races out of it. And um, the best thing was, is that, you know, because of the different time zones, these things were on, we, you could basically just tune in and look for an online racing series and you'd find one. And it'd be generally a really good watch when you, when you, when you turned it on. And the coverage was amazing. The, the way that they were using the, um, the system that they were, that they were, telecasting with was amazing you know with the different commentators and and you know once they got set up and all the drivers got their own cameras and all that sort of stuff it was a very very slick production um the camera angles and the replays and even you know a couple of the photographers i knew were able to log in and actually shoot stills and produce some amazing images out yeah. of this series particularly from the supercars championship but then obviously you know there was a formula one one and then there was you know almost every sort of format of, of motor racing had it overseas there was some endurance racing um you know indycar was doing some stuff yeah it was pretty pretty amazing there was a great um rally cross series that they ran um and also um uh sort of uh, the american rally cross as well so yeah it was it was pretty interesting to to follow and watch and and the fact that it was broadcast sort of live on you know fox sports and stuff and, and a lot of the other sports yeah. channels was was really good for prime time and and best of all it was all using games and hardware that you could go out and buy and, and use um and if you wanted to get started with a very modest budget um it was all there for you it was only you know there were some people like you know Terry bodas which had you know essentially a 50 or a sixty thousand dollar simulator set up but um, you know, for a few hundred dollars, you could get set up and and be involved, and you know, racing on the exact same game, same track, same car, everything, as what the pros were doing. And um, it just made all of a sudden these drivers appear a lot more real, um, as well as uh, showing, you know, showing the relationship between real motorsport skill and and obviously that seen through the sims and how close the sims have gotten now um excluding uh, a few key things such as you know that real feel the wind in your hair and that kind of thing but it just shows also how far the technology has come and the beauty is is what they what they're also doing is we're allowing you um when they were each week they were publishing the settings and stuff that you know they were using for the setup so you could you know log on and, and do your own thing and try um the setup for yourself and I know yeah. a lot of guys that had been using that platform for a while and we're all very very excited to to try that setup and be able to you know see how close they could get to the be to the main drivers yeah and even so formula one visited a lot of new tracks or even revisit a lot of it was a truly a a best of um formula one classic formula one season in a way because we had imola the Nürburgring, as well as Mugello for the very first time for a Formula One race. And um, really exciting in that way. 
um, you know, how that was able to work. And, um, but, but what was your favorite, what was your favorite, uh, track from the formula one season from this year? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I know that we talked about this a little bit during the year, but I don't know. It was I've watching some of the highlights back recently. I, I, it was, I don't know. There was just so much. I mean, Silverstone was great, I think, because of the whole tire issue in, in one of the races, I think kind of made yeah. it interesting, but it was cool to see. I think Portimao, I think was probably yeah. one of my favorite just because it was, it was sort of so different, I think. Um, and Kimi yeah. Raikkonen and have that hell of an opening lap. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the outer, um, the outer track the outer, of Bahrain. Yeah. The outer, uh, outer Bahrain track, I think was interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of, it was kind of weird because we, every week we sort of, we, we started off having a couple of those double headers, you know, we had the, the, um, the, you know, the two in Austria and the two in Great Britain. And then we then sort of chopped and changed between, yeah. you know, Spain, Belgium, two in Italy, but at two different tracks, it, it kind of got, you kind of got used to watching one and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the next one sort of, sort of snuck up on you. So you kind of, um, you kind of get confused. I think the other one that, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it was, was Germany was a different track for us, for us, for us as well, wasn't it? It was uh, the Nürburgring. Yeah, and they haven't run on that for a few years. No, no, I think it was, yeah. uh, well, when was the last time? I think it's like 2005 or something like that, I think, because I was chatting to another bunch of friends about it and we were sharing some old footage. Um, but, yeah, I think even, you know, that was pretty cool to watch again because that was an interesting track. But, yeah, I don't know. Did, did you have a favourite? Yeah, I think, um, see, I really enjoyed um, Imola and Mugello. Um, okay. Mainly because I, I and, and the Nürburgring. I think the Nürburgring was nice because I, Nürburgring and Mugello, because I have spent a lot of time on a set of course of driving those tracks. Um, and so I got to, I knew those tracks from a different, completely different way that um like even my my friends who i usually jump on a, a, a phone call with and watch the race together um so i was able to describe these tracks and go, oh yeah well this is a great flat out turn and i don't know i really enjoyed that um it was a new way to experience that and to see how they were taking those turns compared to how i was doing it and how i knew that knew that track driving a number of different cars um, and simply the elevation changes that Magella get, um, it just seemed completely anti, you know, typical Formula One of the recent few seasons, and that's what probably made it so exciting for me. I'd love to see Magella return because, um, you know, that was a tough race for a lot of people. That was, you know, a lot of tire wear. Um, we obviously had a couple of big, big incidences. Um, there some obviously you know great that nobody got hurt mm. um, but I, I think it just caused a lot of interesting drama and I think having a, a shorter uh, race program of only two days as well um, yeah certainly made things gave, very different for them yeah because you know you suddenly take away three practice sessions and you only give them one um, or two and all of a sudden you know the game's completely changed and you have to um 
you know, you just have a lot less data to, to work with. Mm. And, um, you know, for Formula One tracks, it's uh, <laughs> less data is probably a, a good thing in, in these days where we have, you know, a thousand people at the, at the track. Certainly kept um, them on their toes, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, so what about what about supercars? Supercars. So we saw, you know, it was basically here, there, and everywhere um, of following COVID restrictions. And as the season went on, we ended up in in places that we never thought would be. And and we had a lot of action in Queensland and even the Northern Territory because obviously, you know, during that time we had different lockdowns, uh, particularly in Victoria, but. Um, was there a particular race that stood out to you or a track that you really loved that we don't normally see? I, I think it was more the benefit of having the double headers. I, I think having the the double header events that we had in Sydney and then in Darwin and then in Townsville, I think it was quite good that they managed to be able to have those and so that you effectively had two, two weekends where you'd have different people um, Sort of challenging for different parts of the wind, different different races, yeah. Um, and the same with the bend as well. Um, look, you know, we missed out on we missed out on having you know that that night race in Perth. Um, you know, we we only we only started the year at, at Clipsal, and then we had a big break until they went to the to to the Super Sprint in Sydney. Um, but yeah, we we missed out on quite a few. I mean, we missed out on having the Gold Coast. We were snow Newcastle. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we we missed out on, um, but the fact that we got you know a full season in, they still crowned a champion. We still got to Bathurst. You know there was you know a question where Bathurst you know would it happen? Would that be the last race? Would there be another one? Um, yeah, uh, there's no real sort of standout race for me, but I think the from the double headers sort of onwards, I think it kind of made for good racing. And, and if you look at the winners list there, you know, there was a, there was a <laughs> Scotty McLaughlin's name is obviously up there a lot. He obviously won the championship, but you know, there were other names like, you know, Jack LeBrock, Anton uh, Di Pasquale, Nick Percat. Um, there was another name somewhere that I knew Cam Walters as well, got his first win. So yeah, there were lots of, lots of new winners um you know and lots of people that you know even the 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 winner list doesn't reflect there were guys are getting podiums and stuff and things like that so yeah it was it was a good season um look next year i think is going to be even better because we're gonna we're gonna have a very different season you know different way things happening you know the championship of champion elect we have lost and he's headed to indycar but you know, I think it was one of those seasons that, again, like we said at the start of the show, it was amazing for them to actually get a championship in and get it and completed. There were other series that, that never ran a championship at all this year and could never complete. So um, I think it's very well done by the Supercars family to, to be able to pull that off. Yeah. Um, it was just, and, you know, hopefully those uh, team members are enjoying a nice... Um, Well-owned break nice for rest. sure. Yeah. Because it was intense and a long time without seeing the family. Obviously, Formula One, that that comes with the, you know, with the deal, and obviously it still doesn't make it any better. Um, but for a, for a local series, given that you know normally travel is pretty easy in between, um, it was a, a definitely new set of challenges and um, yeah, incredible job by the by the logistics side as well and um, packing up trucks and getting cars there and um, yeah, massive, massive kudos. 
Yeah, but very much so. Let's talk about our favourite cars of 2020. We've, we've spoken about a lot of them. Um, we've discussed, we've spent many hours talking about the cars being released uh, this year and the news that's come out. We've, um, you know, we've had pretty much, if I, almost every week we had a, a new Audi released. Um, we had BMW's controversial M3 and M4. Um, as well as, you know, a totally new lineup from Genesis with the the G80, GV70, GV80, and the G70. I said that all out of order, but you know what I mean. Um, Audi's e-tron, their fully electric car coming, finally launching down under. Ferrari's uh, new soft uh, take in with the uh, Ferrari Roma, um, which is a real GT car, real, um, you know, about... As they pictured, the uh, Dolce Vita um, cruising through the Italian towns. Um, Maserati's re-entry as a supercar maker with the MC20 um, and their hint of uh, a full EV coming at some point. Ford's Puma, their little SUV, um, which we haven't had a chance to, to drive yet, but um, reviews coming out have been fairly positive so far. And, um, of course, we've already mentioned it, uh, MG's new electric SUV, um, coming in, I think it was about $43,000, um, which, you know, makes it Australia's cheapest uh, electric car for, for this year at least. Um, but we're, I've, I've, I've done about, I think when I calculated again, I think it's about 39,000 kilometres this year so far in driving. And I know that Mick, who's uh, an occasional guest on here, has probably done a bit more simply because of driving between here and the Sunshine Coast. But... Um, you know, I've been able to spend a good chunk of time in a lot of cars and, um, you know, a couple of ones that, that stand out to me this year, my favorite ones to drive had been, um, the Jeep Gladiator. Um, that was, a, I think a, a great experience. It just, um, you know, really leaned into, and this was the Overland edition. It wasn't the Rubicon. So, um, but I think that was just an excellent, well put together car, very thoughtful in how they went about it. And um, it's longer than pretty much anything, including other American pickup trucks. But, um, man, I just, just fell in love with it. Um, it, was, it was easy to drive, very comfortable, and um, I just loved being able to rip the roof off uh, when I wanted and, um, you know, to really enjoy the, uh, the, the Queensland weather. Yeah, it's a perfect car for that, uh, for that state, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another one. Uh, what What about you? With the I think you you really enjoyed the Subaru hybrids this year. Yeah, they were both really impressive. I was very excited to drive those. You know, having been a driven a multitude of Subarus over the years, you know, and having spent time with probably one of the best hybrids on the market at the moment, the the Rav Four from Toyota. I was very keen to see what the Subaru hybrids were like, and I had both the XV and the Forester back to back. Was very impressed with both of them. Having the XV first was nice, and and then obviously having the Forester up after, which was the S, which was the high spec one. Um, but interesting now that the, with the new twenty twenty one editions, they have upped um, one of those specs on the XV, so there is a better spec that you can buy with more yeah. uh, added on it. But yeah, I was very impressive. The the systems are interesting. They're not quite the same as a hybrid system on the like the Rav is. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly helps with your your range and everything else, and um, you know fuel economy. And um, yeah, I, I, I think as I said, the only downside with both of them is that they don't run a full size spare; that they run yeah. um, space 
Well, you've, got to, uh, you've, you've got to you've got to fit those batteries in the yeah, motor exactly. somewhere, don't you? Yeah. yeah so you you only get the goo, you don't get a spare. So yeah. that's kind of a, about sort of the one downside of them. But yeah, I was I was impressed with um, with both of those, and it, it's nice to to see them in the market. And I think they will, you know, certainly do well in the in in the market as as well because they are particularly here in Victoria, I think they're both very well suited to, to our market and, and those people and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm very keen to see uh, how they do. But, yeah, they were probably the two of the impressive ones for me sort of in that hybrid um, era. But I'm uh, the other one I was really impressed with and I'd spent time in, but it was the updated one was the Renault Colios for me was, uh, yeah. was another strong... Um, uh, I, I really enjoyed my time in it as well. Yeah. It was, um, and you well had the same together. as me. You had the Intens as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's such a well spec car. Um, it's such a nice place to be uh, and spend time in. Um, it's weird thinking that what it's related to in the in the Nissan range, the, the Renault just feels that little bit nicer, really. Um, oh, totally, totally different. Um, yeah. And with the new, the updated um, infotainment system, I mean, it's not in, as uh, it's been out for a while now, but having driven the previous room and w- without it, just the whole vertical screen for the Apple CarPlay and, and stuff, I think it, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those models that it just kind of works. And, and it, it, I, I spoke to a couple of people about it that were in the market to buying cars and, and, yeah. And they actually both went. One went. One bought one, um, and the other one went a different direction. But they both went and looked at them. Were both very impressed by them um, in terms of what of what the car offered, what they were like to drive, you know, space inside and stuff like that. So I think that was probably one of the other really impressive ones. Um, yeah. For me, uh, I know that um, yeah, you were a fan as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was because um, I had just recently driven the Nissan X Trail, and um, you know, you could tell it was getting on in age. Um, even though Nissan had done a lot to to dress it up, um, the Renault just felt fields ahead. Um, and in terms of value, you're not paying a huge penalty for going for the Renault either. Um, and it just felt like, and that's why we recommended it when um, we had the viewer question come in. Well, it was just uh, it was a strong contender um, for a lot of people. It just offered a lot of comfort, a lot of space, and um, yeah, it felt good to drive. Um, another thing that felt good to drive for me was the Genesis GV80. Um, when images first showed up of it, I think um, you know Mick, yourself, and I we we instantly fell in love with it, um, and thankfully the um, you know our little bit of hype that we had for it really lived up to it expectations. Um, you know, it just really surprised in a lot of different ways. It was loaded to the brim with tech and um, it's sure it's not a cheap car. It is a hundred and, you know, I drove the 3.5 liter petrol and um, with the luxury pack as well. So, you know, it is $121,000 on the road, but, once what it's competing against it, it it has more features it has um you know uh, I, I would argue a better look um you know it certainly has a lot of presence on the road and um you just feel 
you feel special driving it. Um, it borrows a lot of features, not from its competition, but from, you know, that next tier up. It, it's borrowing a lot of features from, you know, things like the Mercedes S-Class rather than, you know, aiming at the BMW X5, which it, it's trying to take aim at. So, yeah, um, really impressed with it. Uh extremely comfortable loads of tech it probably the only thing that i really would hope for would be rear media controls um given that it is geared to having passengers in the back and you know whether it's not a family it definitely could serve as a as a um uh, a limo or a hire car in that way yeah it's perfect for that yeah and um but when talking to the to the team from from genesis Australia, they did, you know, they, they acknowledged that and said, well, look, that is in the, in, in the G80, which, um, which shares a lot of the things, but um, to hit the price point of which they wanted to in the GV80, you know, yeah, they'd be adding another be five to $10,000. Yeah. yeah. So in that way, I go, yep, yeah, look, that, that makes totally perfect sense. And, um, you know, I didn't, if it was asking another five to $10,000, I go, mm, that's pushing it a little bit too fast. So I think they made the right call in that sense because it, I don't think it adds that amount of value in the back of the car. Um, but, you know, with powered uh, blinds, which even when looking at the – I had a look in the, at an X7 uh, from BMW over the weekend. And, um, man, I think the, the solution for the powered blinds in the rear window are that much better in the Genesis than they are in the, in the BMW. The BMW is just unnecessarily – complicated for a mechanism um, where the Genesis is just as quiet or even quieter and faster and smoother and less likely to have more things break. So <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, it, it just did such a fantastic job. And, um, you know, when we picked up all of the gear for our foster puppy, uh, Rage, um, she had, you know, beds, carry crate, uh, 40 kilos worth of dog food, um, a whole bunch of toys and things like that. And we fit it into the back, no problem. And um, the best thing was that it was raining at that time. And um, to drop the back seats down, it's just a touch of a button. We don't have to unhook something and run around and fold it down or anything like that. It's just a simple button to put it down. And um, even, you know, if we wanted to put the seat back up, we just hit, you know, another button and it comes up automatically. So that you don't have to then walk around and, and muck around with it. It's just all essentially one touch um, to, to do it. And if anybody's got a big family carrying a lot of stuff, that just makes a, a huge, huge difference. Um, but one one car that I – another another one, and probably it, it is a car compared to some of these other th – mostly SUVs, um, was the Toyota Supra. And I know that the Toyota Supra came out uh, last year in 2019, but I was able to get my hands on it in 2020. And, um, man, there's, there's just some things that it needs to, to fix, but it gets so many things right at the same time. Um it, it's just uh, we, we did a good number of kilometers driving it out to, to Warwick so and um, then up north through the through the mountains up to Noosa in Queensland and um, it just did such a good job it was um, it has uh, the gearbox is just unbelievable it always just managed to be in the right gear at the right time for what you're wanting to, to ask from it and um, and even though Toyota have upped the power, um, for the re refreshed model in 2021, um, 
you know, I think it adds about 35 kilowatts, but man, uh, <laughs> it, it, it had enough. Um, and of course, more power is always a welcome thing, but uh, it was extremely well balanced. I think the styling is on point and um, it certainly got no shortage of, of looks either on the, on the road. No, it's certainly not. And lucky to have actually spent some time behind the wheel of one. I totally agree. It's it's just one of those cars that has such a unique noise that 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 engine in it is is so unique and just has this brilliant, brilliant sound and it's so much fun to drive. And um, you know, I'd spent a bit of time behind the wheel and just on some twisty roads and really, really enjoyed it. Um and you know, look, sure, there's the argument that it is a Japanese BMW and and that you know it's not uh, it's it's a shared platform we'll, look so is the 86 and so is the BRZ with Subaru and Toyota but I think it's a great car and the fact that they brought it back um you know and well plain and simply we would have never have got the super if it wasn't for that partnership with no, exactly so, and you, either, you either have it or, or you don't yeah um but the fact is that you know that we have it it's cool that I think really You've got no choice. You have to take that metallic grey um, matte paintwork because yeah. it's just absolutely stunning in that car combination. Um, the sound in it is brilliant. Look, it, it desperately needs CarPlay. Um, yeah, huge Yeah, that's probably the the big question mark of what on earth were they thinking? Um, I think uh, through when looking at forums, I hadn't. Um, I never bothered to follow up with Toyota because uh, I was seeing the rear the responses that uh, owners were getting from Toyota, and I figured, well, I'm not going to get anything better. They said, look, uh, we just didn't provision it in this car, and it's not possible. And we know that's a load of bull because um, in the US, it's a standard thing. Um, the same iDrive from BMW has CarPlay, and um, and so there's really no excuse um, for CarPlay not being there, and particularly when people have unlocked their iDrive, they bought you know through the OBD, they've been able to change and enable CarPlay. So there's it, it's sitting there. It's just it's weird that they don't even do it as an upgrade. Oh, um, yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, like others have done it. Like Toyota came out and did it later for um, what was it Hilux Rev and something else had the ability to, to yeah. do it uh, at, a, at a later date. Well, surely if you're going to do it and you're going to offer it, look, even if you want to charge for it, so be it. But I think it kind of really, yeah. really needs it. But yeah, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant car, you know, and numerous people I've spoken to said, if yeah. I had that hundred grand, I'd definitely be buying one. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those cars for value for money. Look, it is, you know, it is on a bit more on the expensive side for what it is considering now that the, the RSGR is here. But in saying that, this thing you could live with every day. Um, yeah. It's got and, pretty. And you can't, but so, but you can't overstate the fact of having no CarPlay. Like customers want that. I was I was speaking to someone, a friend of mine who owns a, a Porsche GT3 RS, a McLaren 720S, a Mercedes SLS AMG, um, a, a Tesla Model X, and a swag of other cars. But, and he loves driving those cars. He used to, you know, if you, he would look for any excuse to, to go pick up food or something to drive them. <laughs> but do you know what car he drives the most now? The one that has CarPlay. Yeah. And the reason why, the reason why he gave it to me is because 
that is the car where he can listen to his podcasts, listen to mm. his audiobooks, listen to his music, and keep exactly of where they are up to, and then have maps that work no matter where he is. And he said, I, I could choose any car to drive, but the car that I just end up by default picking to go for the run to the to, to Macca's is the one that has CarPlay. Mm. And he's on the hunt for a new um, large SUV now. So he's, you know, looking between Land Cruiser and Patrol and things like that. And he refuses to buy either one because it doesn't have CarPlay. And he yeah, said, right. whatever one comes out with CarPlay first, Hmm. Um, or he's hoping the patrol does, but I don't think so. Um, but basically, if if the, if the patrol has car surely play, I would think, instant buy for him. I would surely I would think with Nissan with their uh, recent upgrades and a couple of other models changing the system to now take um, like they did it with the Navara and stuff and putting CarPlay in a lot of, a lot more of their models. Surely you'd think that if there's a facelift for the next patrol that that would be one of the systems that they would upgrade and do from I there. really hope so um, because it, it, it translated, translates into sales. Jaguar hmm. was exactly the same. Jaguar um, Land Rover Australia. They got sick and tired of getting constant calls and emails from customers and, pretend, you know, and, and people in the market saying that, I love the car, but it doesn't have CarPlay. And it took enough complaints to them through their customer service channels that they finally raised it and said, and they raised it with the factory and then said, look, we need this because mm. this is what's costing us sales yeah. and happy customers. And what happened? They rolled out CarPlay and they didn't just roll it out to new cars. They also went back. I think it was as long as your car had a certain um, version of the infotainment system. So whatever model year when they installed like the widescreen version of the infotainment system in those vehicles, you could actually take it into the dealer next time you get a car service and they will give you the upgrade to enable CarPlay. So that's such a good customer service thing. That's exactly. listening to your customers and, and understanding where the demand is, what the market is. You know, it, it's it seems to be now like safety stuff is so important for so many people, but it's just the one deal breaker almost now for so many cars that it's got to have CarPlay or, or Android Auto really because yeah. so many people, you know, the the rules are so strict now with with um you know, fines for using a mobile phone and stuff like that, that CarPlay is a no-brainer because you can safely still operate your phone. Um, you can see who's calling. You can touch the, the button on the steering wheel to answer your phone. You don't have to physically touch your phone. Your phone can be out of sight. It can be in one of the glove box or one of the storage areas. Yeah. And you basically just it can control it all from the infotainment system, which is legally allowing you to use it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why more brands aren't doing that kind of you know upgrade? You know, we've seen Lexus move it into more of their models now. Yeah. Um. So it should float down to 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 more other models in other brands. Yeah, it's just uh, it's an essential. It and um, you know, even even the backlash from uh from BMW customers to BMW's charging for CarPlay and the subscription service the the negative feedback was so large that they completely wiped it and decided yeah. to, to absorb or absorb any of the cost, which they had said was there simply because it was not worth the battle with customers and no. them wanting it. And, you know, well, you, <laughs> otherwise example, you go to Audi or you go to Mercedes and, you know, oh, look at that. The car's got 
got CarPlay. Um, and people will change their buying preference because particularly if you've got an, you know, multiple cars in your family and, and each of them has CarPlay, your phone knows your appointments, it knows your contacts, it knows everything about your day-to-day. And what Android Auto and Android uh, and Apple CarPlay give you is an easy means in your car to get to your next appointment, answer calls, take uh, send text messages using your voice, um, you know, listening to podcasts, listening to music, listening to radio stations. Even now, I can I can ask my phone through the car to play a radio station. So I don't even need, you know, uh, digital radio is still hit and miss in terms of signal across, um, you know, like the Gold Coast. And so if I want to listen to Elf Radio or Santa Radio or anything like that, I ask the assistant in my phone through the car to just play that radio station or stream it through the internet for me. Um, and it fully understands if I want to listen to B105 or 97.3, it will just tune me into that. And um, so, it, and they're getting better and better. So um, Apple at the moment has, uh, they haven't rolled it out to Australia, but even things such as uh, when you connect your phone to an electric vehicle, it will, Apple Maps will offer um, or will offer in, in sometime in the future, will offer you the ability to to give you an EV-friendly route or a route that includes an EV charger along the way. So it it's getting a lot smarter than, than what these infotainment systems are offering in their cars from what the car makers are putting in. And also it, it allows you to forget the, you know about paying for map updates or anything. Google Maps, Apple Maps, uh, Waze. Um, there's so many advantages to that, and it's just silly that car makers um, are so some of them, some have completely embraced it, um, but others are just still so slow in offering it um, and just giving convenience um, to the customers and making the customers happy. Yeah, but exactly, and anyway. hopefully more of them. <laughs> that'll be the thing. I think that'll be the thing. We'll look you know, looking towards next year will be one of those things is, is more of them probably start talking about that. Those that haven't been a strong supporter of it um, and, you know, we'll start seeing and, and push more towards it. It'll be yeah. interesting to see part of that promotion and what they're doing um, is how many talk about it and how they're in integrating more of that tech mm. in for, for customers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, the GR Yaris from Toyota was something that exploded onto, um, onto, the online sales channels, should we say, um, yes. selling over a thousand units in a number of weeks, um, far surpassing any expectations that we had. Um, certainly not a cheap car for a Yaris, but it packs a lot of punch, it packs huge amounts of performance. And, um, you know, this is exactly what obviously um, enthusiasts are wanting a, a semi affordable, I'm not going to say an affordable, but semi affordable performance car that, um, you know, Will will satisfy all of those you know those tick boxes that us performance car people really really love. But it just goes to show that how well that online sales channel system works. Absolutely, um, and it just shows that for Toyota to be able to have the confidence in that vehicle going into that challenge, you, you, they don't know what they were going to sell. You know, they they had limited numbers. Yeah. Um, and it sold really well. So it then turned around. It, it enabled them to make it an even process. You know, you literally sign in, you pay your deposit, um, you get in the queue, you pick your dealer, um, and then that process sort of flows from there. Um, 
but even the wait wasn't that long. I think it was no. You know, the first the first ones were, were already here, um, and they're in the process of doing deliveries and everything to to a lot of customers. But you know, it, it gave Toyota the ability to go back to the factory and say, "Look, hey, we've just sold X amount. You know, this is the number that we've got. You know, there was there was X sold at, at the original ten thousand dollar discount, and then there was another bunch sold at um, the five thousand dollar discount. Um, and you know, it, it just shows that the the online platform works. You know, it's worked for that. It worked for the BZ a few years ago. Um, it also worked for the Supra when Toyota did it last yeah. time. Um, yeah. So yeah, for these for these limited edition models, um, you, you've got this ability to to buy online, um, pay your money, get in the queue, um, and it shows it works and it, it, it enables it to to be that people know. You know, no one in Australia had driven the car in terms of a customer. It was all yeah. basically bought. You know, well, even the press hadn't and, driven it. We still no, haven't got our exactly. chance to drive it yet. So the, the press launch wasn't done, and it was done um around the time cars were going on sale you know it it, it just showed you know how quick everything happened and how great Toyota would handle it in terms of being able to um literally bring this car to market have it on sale and have it in dealers before the end of the year um and and to do and to do the fact that they did a ten thousand dollar discount um, was massive, you know, yeah. to, off the retail price, and we've still got the the rally to come, which is the even more track focused one, yeah. um, and that'll be interesting to see. So, um, but yeah, you know, the the fact that uh, you know that they're out there now on the roads, and uh, I know the couple of people I know that have bought them, they absolutely love them, and they reckon it's one of the best cars they they've ever owned. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was an interesting way to finish the year. You know, for that sort of the hot hatch segment, um, and it's really taken off because you know not only we've got the the i thirty um, N has been a strong seller in that market here in Oz, but now we're going to have um, the i twenty um, yeah, as I-20 well. N. Yeah, that's coming. That's coming next year. So that hot hatch sort of, um, you know, I spent time in the Renault Megane um, earlier this year, and that thing's an absolutely brilliant car for for what it is. So, you know, the the hot hatch, the hot hatch um, market. You know, we've we've seen sedans kind of come and go. Unfortunately, and that market is kind of dribbled, and yep. the the stinger is obviously still strong in that market. And it's just had a, just recently had a, a facelift and, mm-hmm. and that. But you know that hot hatch market is huge, and and it's exciting to hear. And as we've talked about previously um, on the show, that, that they're coming with um, DCTs next year. Um, you'll be able to buy um, them with a DCT and not just manual, um, which is an exciting thing to see. Uh, for people, you know, that may not may not want to have them as a weekend or, or want to be able to live with them day to day and not have to drive a manual car in traffic. Uh, so yeah, I think that it, it, I think we're sort of starting to see the resurgence of that of that hot hatch, the Fiesta ST um, and the Focus ST. Um, you know, both of those have been um, strong models as well for Ford. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's it was an interesting thing just to see how that Yaris program run, um, and you know, will they get more at a later date? You know, obviously not as cheap at that you know ten thousand dollars off, but the fact that you know there's probably a demand for them um, and for for that market. Yeah, I think uh, you, you hit the nail ahead, and 
yeah on the head with uh, and and it sort of leads into what we're you know what we're looking forward to and expecting more of in in 2021 and i think it's really that continuation of enthusiast vehicles obviously um we're going to be seeing more evs um and also cheaper ones at that uh following on from from mg and even nissan's leaf um, you know, leading the charge in, in affordable electric vehicles. But I think as we begin to, you know, a lot of the cars that we're, we're driving now, more and more of them are, are hybrids. Like this week, I'm driving the LC500 hybrid. Um, and that is a completely different beast to the V8 version that I was driving the week before. But it has its own merits as well. And it has its own performance features that you just don't get with a naturally aspirated V8. Sure, it doesn't have the sound, but it's got the acceleration through its multi-stage um, transmission. So it's deploying the energy at a different, um, through all throughout that that acceleration rate. And um, you know, that's so I'm going. I'm, I'm I'm suspecting that we're going to be seeing more of that fork, where we're going to be seeing absolutely bonkers enthusiast vehicles, um, like the GR Yaris, the i20N, uh, the i30N with the DCT. Um, obviously, whatever Volkswagen come out with for the for the Golf R. Um, but I think we're going to start to see a bit of a fork, where yeah, it's just mental performance on one end and um, to balance it out with more EVs. And I think we're probably going to be seeing garages like that, don't you think? We're going to be seeing garages where it is a true weekend car, which, you know, is is petrol-powered and, um, you know, the, the day-to-day vehicle, the you know, the school-run car and um, the car that goes to work, which is the, the hybrid or the electric. Yeah, and that's the thing is that there's so many um... – so many different models now that are moving into that, you know, that hybrid version. Um, And I mean, Lexus have done it well in between, you know, say you look at even something like the LS 500 um, or the, um, like you said, the LC 500, having that hybrid version of both, it just enables you if you want to go down that route uh, to be able to, to be able to do that. And they've done it a lot with their RX and, um, uh, you know, models as well. And I'm honestly surprised that they don't go completely um, exclusively hybrid at least because, that's what I primarily see on the road. If I mm. see a Lexus on the road, it's a hybrid. Yeah. And um, so I'm surprised that they even bother selling um, non-hybrid vehicles at all with probably not an a, exception not of one or two vehicles. Wa- but yeah, yeah, not everyone think, wants a hybrid. Uh, but once you drive one, particularly when you're driving yeah. a, a, you know, an everyday vehicle, hybrid is at least the very minimum what you want to be driving because it is just so much more peaceful to drive. Um Unless you want, you know, and it's still not going to meet all the thing. But I think if you're in the market for a Lexus, an RX or an RC or anything like that, um, you know, the hybrid just makes a lot of sense in that in that point of view. And um, I think it's a uh, they've certainly leveraged that that Toyota um, partnership or that that ownership and and the headway they've made with the Prius and the Camry hybrid and now the Rav Four hybrid. Um, that technology has come such a long way, and um, you know it, it makes it makes it great. But yeah, I th- I think um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what we're going to be seeing next year. I think 
I have a feeling we're going to see plenty of mediocre vehicles, but I think that's only been going, going to be because we're still going through a massive amount of change right now. Um, we're really, you know, here in Australia where we've got states telling us that, you know, with proposed um, hybrid taxes and EV taxes um, to cover road costs, which is understandable, but perhaps not the best way. Um but then we've also, you know, and, and car makers wanting to play with different business models and, and vehicle offerings. So I think it's going to be a fairly interesting year of change. Um, but I think with that, we're just going to see a couple of rock stars. Even, you know, we've got brands like BMW with the controversial M3 and M4 with the the massive, you know, maybe even massive is understating it, but, um, but huge grills on the front, which do look a lot better in person, I have to admit, um, compared to the photos. The photos just don't do it justice at all. Um, but, you know, they're being bold. They're, they're trying to make it a, a conversation out of it rather than just sort of fitting in with the, the rest of the market. And, you know, people have got to try it. We've got, we can't knock people for, for trying um, to do something different, even if it's not, you know, what we expect it to be. But... You know, this is what kind of makes the car industry interesting as well um, with these left field attempts and, and things. And we're going to get a GR Yaris for every, you know, BMW M3 that, you know, that comes to market. And I think it, that's that's something I'm happy with. Um, not, I'm not sure about you. Look, the 4 Series, you know, you talked about that the, this new grill design and stuff like that. I actually don't mind it. Like seeing it in the middle, it is ter- it's very, very different. Um, having seen the, the the new four series, I actually really like it. And I think the big difference as well is that you see them sort of in the Europe spec where the plate is occasionally offset. With the plate position here in Australia, it actually breaks up the grill. It's actually yeah. set in the middle of the grill. So it actually looks quite different um, and it does break, break it up. And, and I think that design is... Um, you know, is certainly interesting. But yeah, like you said, next year is going to be a very interesting year with where everything goes. You know, you talked mentioned about the hybrid tax and and how you know the the governments in different states are going to try and to to them sort of effectively tax EV owners and help make them obviously help pay for the share of the roads. That whole system needs a rejig. It needs to be looked at yeah. to be fair across everyone. You just can't tax different people individually you know it's got it's got to be it's got to be fair so that obviously needs a look at but yeah look there's you know there's some interesting models coming um you know the the future of um where we're going to go in terms of you know petrol diesel hybrid hydrogen um you know electric um plug-in all this sort of stuff i think it's it's very very interesting to see we've talked a lot about hydrogen this year and i think we're going to probably see even more of that as it grows but i think it'll be another a couple of years before that sort of really grows to a to a to a large format because the infrastructure needs to be there but we're seeing that growth in hyundai and toyota are both working Mm -hmm. strong in that market yeah um you know we're going to see the the new models we we, we talked about gmsv with what they're doing um you know obviously we part of that relationship is obviously through wall control is also ram with what they're doing um and then obviously we're we're talking about what the other mainstream brands are going to be doing so like kia hyundai um nissan you know some of those bigger brands that are selling a lot of cars um 
you know, where that mix will change. There's a lot of brands now talking about more EV models, more electric models in their range. Mercedes are talking about bringing more um, of their new um, electric vehicles into the market and increasing that range. Yeah. But the other thing we'll see is will that ute market stay strong? You know, the, yeah. the government incentive for the um, instant asset tax write-off continues to at least June next year. Um, so at this stage, you know, there's still another six months for those that need to buy a work car, um, depending on, you know, how their business is going yeah. relating to COVID restrictions and things like that. You know, will that, um, with the will the Hilux and, and you know, the um, Ranger actually still be those strong models? And, and where will that car mix be over the next six months as yeah. as dealerships recover from, you know, particularly in Victoria from the shutdown? Um, and, you know, as people come back out the other side of moving into 2021 with, you know, how they're traveling with their work and all that sort of stuff, you know, what will that market do and how will it change? And, you know, there is an interesting thing to look at as well with a lot of um, tourist areas, you know, suspending um, their high car registrations because, you know, they're trying to, you know, they just haven't had the demand for tourism. Mm -hmm. You know, will rental car fleets continue to turn over um, or will, you know, the, a lot of them, because they haven't been used, will they retain them longer? So will we see a different split of sales in, in vehicles that were predominantly sold strongly into rental car fleets and things like that? Um, and as we said, you know, the used car market's been strong uh, as well. So where will the demand for, you know, new cars come from? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be a very interesting year to watch. Yeah, because we've even got, um, you know, BMW's iX, coming as well that's one that i forgot about um but you know is i've got the us specs in front of me at the moment but you know a range of 300 miles um it can charge with 200 kilowatt dc fast charges so you know you're similar to your tesla fast charges um so yeah i think it's going to be a super interesting year because whilst there's still a lot of uncertainty <laughs> in things but there's also, I think we have a bit of clarity coming out of 2020 now of where people are at, what people are wanting to do. People are going to do road trips because international travel is going to remain off, um, you know, off the table for a little bit longer now. And and so people are going to be wanting to do, to do road trips. And um, so that's continuing. And so, yeah, I want to see, will you, you know, stay at the top, you know, stay at the top or are we going to see that, a bit of a shift and the question is where where does it shift go um are we going to see more suvs or even performance cars sneak up there um you know and see some expansions but you know we it's it's still a lot of unknowns as well um and we're just gonna have to see how things play out and you know i've already got bookings all the way through through february for for cars um to be driving such as the i finally got um, you know, the new MG, I've got the G80 from, from Genesis, uh, as well as the Eclipse Cross uh, from Mitsubishi. So I'll be finally um, getting into those and, you know, seeing where, where we're going and what the tone for 2021 will be as well um, with all of that. But I think, um, is, there, is there anything in particular, any particular model that you might be looking forward to um, that we know of launching in 2021. Yeah, look, uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that are rumored to be happening. Um, obviously, yeah. we've, we've talked about you know there's talked about the new Land Cruiser. 
yeah, uh, which is coming and what format that will take. Uh, we, we probably know that it won't be a V8. It'll probably be a some kind of uh, forced induction V6 and there's yeah. rumours that it, there may be a hybrid or I don't know. I, that's just one of those things. It's just one of those cars that I love. I, I don't know whether I'll ever be able to afford one. Uh, new, maybe secondhand at some stage down the track, <laughs> yeah. but it's just one of those cars. That, it just oozes coolness and I, I just love it, you know, in terms of what it is. Um, I'm intrigued to see what the I-20s like, um, I-20Ns like when that lands. Um, but, you know, it's been one of those years in terms of there's been lots of surprises. Um, there's been some good surprises and stuff that's coming. Um, so, yeah, I'm just intrigued to see what brands do and, and, and what we yeah. see um, come, you know, in terms of what happens with, you know, um, with brands changing their lineup and mix and changing their mix and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see what happens with sort of Volkswagen and Skoda with what they do. Um, you know, there's yeah. obviously the um, Skoda EV, whether there's talk that that'll come to Oz. Um, and then, you know, I think whatever else, um, you know, whether we see, we've, you know, we know that Hyundai's Palisade is landing here, you know, literally this month. I actually happened to see a truck full of them this week going yeah. obviously off oh, to I a dealership. I had first glance of that on, uh, yes, on Monday. So, um, you know, we've yeah. seen seen that happen and, and that's happening, that's coming to, to, to Oz. What will, you know, will Kia react and bring those? You know, there's still talk of that Hyundai Ute coming. Um, yes. What else is going to come from GMSV? When are we going to see our first Corvette land? Um, yeah, there's lots of lots of things that we're waiting to see, um, but I think it'll be an interesting thing to see when we see them and and when we get to get to um, to either get behind the wheel or actually see one in person. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the and and we don't know if it's going to come here. I we're not sure. Um, we haven't heard either way, but even like the Jeep Grand Wagoneer, yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a vehicle of epic proportions. It is going to be fully electric as an option. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, there's there's quite a few exciting vehicles that we do know of. Um, even the Ford Mustang Mach E um, over in the states. Um, you know, who knows when the Tesla Cybertruck is going to come out? Um, that's you know. It's been quite a while since we've had any yeah. updates for that, and and I know that there's quite a number of people placed pre-orders for for that. And um, the question is as well that yes, the um, the US is going to be having one design for the Cybertruck, and the rest of the world is going to be having another to meet safety standards. And and so the question is, what is that going to look like? What is that going to mean? Um, and so even with that, I'd love to to see where that is going. And um, yeah, I think. But but yeah, I think the the Jeep Grand Wagoneer. I'd love to see that up close. I think the you know what we saw in the previews and the in the teaser images what, that they released when they when they launched it um, were very exciting. And um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the American vehicles. And um, but yeah, I, and and be interesting to see if you know will it come down under particularly with Hyundai Palisade and and even you know we had the the Arcadia from from Holden as well so there is a little bit of an appetite for those bigger vehicles and and even we see plenty of the up here at least a lot of the American pickup trucks so there is a little bit of an appetite for it how big of it you know would something be like you know for the Grand Wagoneer well. You know, the thing is, if we look at the sales for the Toyota Land Cruiser, even now, you know, it's still solidly in the top 10, um, which, you know, I always get a little bit of a surprise whenever I see Land Cruisers in there. 
Um, but I think it shows that it's yeah, a model. It's a model that's worked. It's sold well. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, you know, the the fact that we talked, you know, about the patrol, you know, being you know V8 petrol, and we we we're pretty much sure that the the Hilux won't be a V8. It'll be something else. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think, yeah. In the Land Cruiser, we'll probably see a, a hybrid V6. I think there's the the current rumors right now. But I'd be interested too, like you said, if the the Grand Wagoneer ends up coming here, um, you know what uh, Jeep hopefully obviously has some belief in them in the market here now because we've yeah. obviously had the um, you know we've had the the Gladiator here, so yes. you'd like to think that maybe you know there might be success in that. But yeah, I'm excited to see that, and hopefully we we do see it here. But it's one of those things I think we just kind of have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully we have a lot more positive news uh, going in and to discuss as we head into to 2021. But um, but I think, uh, you know, I've got to say thanks for, for joining us, Joel. And, um, you know, it's been great to, to have you on this year uh, as well as Mick and, um, you know, throughout the time. So, yeah, and hopefully you as a, as a listener have um, have enjoyed it as well. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, it's been good to be part of it, and it's uh, it's been good. We've been able to help a, a few people that have got in contact us with us that had some questions about car buying and things like that. And uh, I know that um, those that have uh, they've taken the advice and bought have been pretty happy with what they've done. So yeah, it's been good to be involved, and I hope you as a listener have enjoyed listening to us. Yeah, and um, so we are going to be taking a, a few weeks off over the Christmas period and New Year period, and um, we will be back sometime in January. Um, and we, you know, we do have uh, we are working on a few things on our end uh, to to bring the show in new ways and um, to improve the the listening experience for you. Uh, but as always, um, if you want to send us anything, uh, questions or uh, vehicles you'd like us to review, you can always email us shows at daily fix, daily um, So that's shows at daily um, You can follow Joel at Joel strip photo. You can follow us at daily autofix. And um, yeah, we, we hope uh, you as a listener have a wonderful um, Christmas and, and happy new year. And uh, we can't wait to, to be back in your, in your cars, in your ears, and uh, anywhere you listen to our podcast in the in the new year. Yeah, thanks for listening, and happy holidays and uh, happy new year to you all. Uh, and yeah, we look forward to to being back on air when the new cycle restarts. We're uh, we're going to be what, keeping an eye on what's happening with with news and stuff in the new year. And as soon as we start, you know, getting some interesting releases and stuff coming through that we need to attend to, we'll be back on air to to bring you those as a wrap up. All right, well, until then, uh, Merry Christmas and uh, we'll see you next year. <laughs>